Like that? Like you're coming to a movie and that's the beginning of the movie? I love it. Well, it's great to see all of you. I want to welcome you again uh, to our service here at the Lighthouse Church of Christ. And again, as was said, if you're a guest here today, it, it is great for us to have you. And uh, I hope that today can be a, uh, a starting point for you uh, in, in your life uh, to reset and, and get close to God. That's what we're all about. That's our objective. Last week, we began a series. Chris Boyer uh, did a series, uh, started us on this, this series, Age of Kings. And uh, one of the incredible things about the Bible is that you get to learn from other people's mistakes. And, and the Bible is incredible in that it tells you the ugly truth. It doesn't sugarcoat it. It doesn't whitewash it. It, it tells you exactly how it is. Uh, last week, we looked at uh, King Zedekiah. And uh, he was rebellious. He was a rebellious king. And, and rebelliousness equals what? For those of that you were here last week, it re- equals pain. Yeah. Well, sooner or later, it's going to get you. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at another king. Uh, and we're going to be going uh, back in time. It was actually forward in number, closer to Jesus' time. And we're going to be looking at a time in the, in the kings of Israel, 1874 B.C. It was 874 years the king that we're going to look at today started to reign. You say, why are we looking at, you know, so far back? And the incredible thing about the Bible is, is that those examples, those stories, those history lessons are there for us so we can learn. So we don't have to commit and have the same mistakes happen in our lives. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want to avoid when I see someone stumble and fall, you know, uh, uh, you know, on a curb or something. I, I, I take note of that. And I say, you know, no, thank you. I, I see that that hole, that pothole or whatever, and I'll, I'll go around the other way. Uh, and that's what th- that's why God left us the word so that we can learn from these mistakes. Today, we're going to learn about a guy. His name is Ahab. He is numero uno. And all of all the kings, uh, this guy was known as the, the, the top of his class. He was the worst king of the history of Israel. I mean, he was bad. Uh, he was bad to the bone. Uh, and, and he was noted that we're going to read a scripture that talks about it. Not only uh, was he, he bad, but, you know, Ahab, he, he went a step further. He was bad. But guess what he did? He was able to outpunt his coverage. And he married a woman that was worse than him. I mean, you know, you ever said marry up? This guy married down. But, you know, when you're bad, that's what you do. You marry down. You marry bad. You marry. And anybody know what her name is? His wife? Jezebel. Ever been to a baby shower for a little baby girl named Jezebel? Any Jezebels in the house? You know, that name is not used. And it's interesting. Why? Because she was the wickedest woman in the world. Uh, The Bible quotes her as being the wickedest woman ever. And so that's why you don't name your children Jezebel. Okay, don't want to start them off on that wrong foot, right? And and so we're going to learn about this this couple. They, They were a power couple. You know? And, and if and if they would have been in, uh, if they would have been around uh, in our time, E.T., TMZ and E. Hollywood story, they'd be all over him. The pop, paparazzi would be taking shots of them everywhere because they were a power couple. 
And they were high drama. And I don't know what it is about us Americans, but we like the bad stuff. Okay, so if you want to log in, we're only going to look at a couple of things, but if you want to log in, start out at 1 Kings 16, and you can read all about Ahab and Jezebel. Okay, and this, this is Hollywood's true story, what we're going to get today. Uh, and as an American, if you come in as an American today and got your marriage, you're going to love today. Uh, but we don't want to learn from it, not get inspired by it, but maybe, maybe take a step back and go, mm, how can I avoid that? In, in my life uh, for, for, for me. And, you know, what we're going to look at today is Ahab, chapter 16. Let's look at what he was known for. Chapter 16, verse 30. If you have your Bible, if not, it'll, all the scriptures will be on the screen. First Kings chapter 16 and verse 30. It says, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. So we're talking about a guy that was dedicated. He instituted, you know, laws and rules in Israel that God ordered the people not to do. I mean, he went out of his way. He wasn't just rebellious. He went out of his way to go against God. And he provoked the Lord's anger. That's one thing you don't want to do. And then look what it says, you know, in that last verse is he, he did more than anybody else before him. And what we're going to learn today about Ahab is, you know, and you could say, well, I'll never be like Ahab. And you could say, well, I'll never do what Jezebel did. But the interesting thing that you're going to find today in our, in our story, in our history lesson, is we all, me included, your minister, we all have something in common with Ahab. And it's there for us to learn from so we can avoid it. So we can recognize. Because what happened in Ahab's life is there was a thing that he did. There was something that went on in his life that God drew the line and said, I'm done with you. No more. You know, because there were other kings that did bad stuff. And they turned to God and they said, I'm sorry, God, I've, re- I've been rebellious. And they turned to God before it was over. And God forgave them. But not Ahab. Because Ahab crossed the line. He did something that, that caused God to say, I'm done with you. You and Jezebel, I'm done. And it was intense because God sent the prophet, Elijah, to, to confront him. And told him exactly how he was going to die. It was gruesome. He said, the dogs are going to come and they're going to lick your blood. And they're going to eat your flesh. And you will not be buried. That's how descriptive was. That's how angry God was. Because of what we're going to look at today. And this is the thing that you and I have in common. So up front, are you ready to know what that thing is? And I would say, especially in America... All of us can relate to what happened in Ahab's life. He had something in his heart. He was set on something. You say, what is it? And you won't believe it when I tell you. He had the desire for a vegetable garden. He had the vegetable garden sin. Really? You say, no, not the, not the vegetable garden sin. Not that one. Yes, the vegetable garden sin. 
And he had a desire for a vegetable garden that was uncontrollable and that he couldn't get a rain on. And so we're going to begin in 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 1. And here's how it reads. This was the thing that did it for him, where God said, I'm done with you, Ahab. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth of the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. So King Ahab lived in Samaria. He was from Samaria. But he had like what we call a summer palace or a vacation home in Jezreel. And this particular location in Jezreel, there was a vineyard and maybe right outside of his bedroom window. And it was a nice plot of land. You know, he could see it. He overlooked it. And, you know, he looked at it and he said, man, I would really like to have a vegetable garden right there. And look what it says. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your your vineyard to use it as a vegetable garden since it's close to my palace. Now, is this a bad thing? We read on and look what he did. He says, in exchange, I'll give you a better vineyard. I mean, after all, I'm a king, right? I got all kinds of vineyards. I got awesome vineyards. I got vineyards twice the size of this one. It's it's in an incredible place where you you can you can you can do even better. And if you prefer, I'll pay you whatever it's worth. So is this bad what he's doing? Not at all. I mean, this is pretty good. He said, "I'll, I'll trade up. This is how bad I want this vineyard. I'll trade up with you. I'll give you something even better. I'll pay you cash. You know, and to look at this year, you go, uh, has there ever been a time in your life that you really, really wanted something? I mean, really, really, really wanted something. Ever had that situation in your your life? You know, like a car. Man, you had your heart set on that car. It's a convertible. It's red. It's I mean, it's just I mean, it's it's your dream car. Where do we get that word? Your dream car. Right. Maybe for the ladies, the young ladies, it's that it's that Volkswagen bug, the beetle convertible. I mean, just just a nice earth tone tan, you know, with a nice flower on the dashboard. So, man, I I have got to have that car. Right. But for the guys, you know, it'd be a muscle car, you know, like a charger or a Mustang, you know, or maybe, you know, you got your heart set way up there, maybe a Ferrari. Right. Maybe one day not or, or a smartphone. OK, interesting. I mean, we're taking things to a whole nother level. Last week when they introduced the smartphone of all time, the five, the iPhone five, there was a guy that slept out in front of the, the, the Manhattan uh, Apple store for five days because he wanted to be the first one in line. He was out there for five days. They interviewed the guy. I mean, it used to be there was a time when you were really, really like into something when you would stay up all night. You know, Black Friday. Some of the ladies can relate. Oh, yeah, you'll go out there. You'll miss Thanksgiving because I got to get I got to get the flat screen TV for two hundred dollars. Right. Forty two inch. I mean, what a bargain. So I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to skip Thanksgiving. I leave my family hanging because this I got to have this. I got to have it. Just save some turkey for me. I'll be home after midnight. Right. 
But this guy was out there. I mean, you used to think that, man, somebody was crazy or they go to a concert and they'd wait all night for a concert ticket. They'd be the first in line. This guy waited for five days. He set the bar like way up there. You know, and a few days before it was raining. It was miserable. They're out on the street waiting. And you know what? He wasn't the only one. He was a five day guy. But there were people there for two, three days waiting because they wanted to be the first. I mean, wait a minute. You don't have to go wait. You can order one. They'll mail it to your house. What? What? Why? They'll mail it to you. This is descriptive of our culture. See, because we get our hearts set on something and we got to have it, you know, but it's not just things. Could be a relationship. Ever been there? I've been there. Okay, my young years, my I remember I put I got this girl. She is the one. She is she is the woman of my dreams. You know, so all you do all day long. Okay, what's she doing? Where's she at? Pick up the phone. And you realize you, you step away and you go, man, this is a little strong. Or, or for the ladies, you know, oh, he's my dreamboat. Okay. He, he is, he's my hero, right? I, 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 there's no one like him. And what do you do? You think about him all day, all night. You can't stop. And they call that love, right? No, that's, that's not love. That's an obsession. Okay? That's an obsession. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. You know, when you get your heart set on something, it can cross the line. And that's what we're going to learn today is how not to cross the line. Because, see, this is what Ahab did. He had his heart set on that vegetable garden. And... He was just so set on it. So let's look at the story. You know, what happens when a want in your life, a want gets bigger and bigger and bigger? I didn't have one that fit. Jump. You know, one day we'll have a 3D screen and it'll jump out. What happens when a want gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it is so huge? What happens when something gets that big that we can't even think straight? We're obsessed with it. It's uncontrollable. It gets to the point where a want is no longer a want. It becomes a need. Let me describe need for you. Need is water. If you don't drink water, you'll die. Okay? You'll die. If you don't eat. Okay? Uh, and there's some other some needs. That, uh, for some of us, maybe we need clothes. Uh, you know, maybe we need a house or a place with a roof and two walls or four walls. You know, there, there are things that are needs, right? But what happens when something you don't need, you want it so bad that it becomes a need? Here's the phrase. I got to have it. I'll die if I don't have it. Life as I know it will cease to exist. I know none of you can relate to this. Okay? None of you have been there. None of you have had this feeling. Right? Maybe I'm the only one. But I think there's maybe one of you in your life. Let's go back in time a little bit in our economy. You know, in the United States of America, we plant seeds of wants so that they will become needs. 
And there's a word for this when a want becomes a need. It's called, can you say it with me? Coveting. Coveting. Yeah, it's in the Bible, but we don't use it very much. Anybody use the word coveting in your vocabulary this week? Anybody? Did you say covet this week? I was coveting. You've coveting. That's a covet. No, we don't use that word. Particularly in America, we do not use that word. Why? Because we did away with it. We did away with coveting. We, we, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a rotary phone. Do you ever use that word, rotary phone? It's gone. Okay? A-track track player. Okay? We don't use those words anymore. They cease to exist. This word coveting, that word coveting, it ceases to exist. It's no longer in existence. And I'm not sure if it was on purpose, but something's happened to this word. What is it? It's a word that we don't use anymore because this is America. Because what we do with something that is a want, we, we try to help you need it. In fact, we'll drive our whole economy on a, on a need, on a want that becomes a need. I'll give you an example. Ever walked into Costco or Sam's? You know, you should you just walking along and all of a sudden, bam! Wow, look at that. Wouldn't it be nice to have that? Okay? So you walk away and all of a sudden you go, man, I wonder how much it costs. I wonder if there's financing. You know, I'll give you an example. You go by the, the sample. They have those sample tables, you know, and you go by and they give you a, 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 a smoothie. Right? And you get the smoothie and you go, mmm, that is, that is the most incredible smoothie I've ever had in my life. I mean, there's never been a smoothie like that to come out of my KitchenAid blender at home. You got to get a Vitamix. $400. And you're going, man, you know, if I had the Vitamix, I, 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 could, I could make smoothies like that. And then what happens? Or ladies. Okay, ladies. Mother, young mothers. There's this new thing called an Orbitz baby travel system for young mothers. I mean, this thing is incredible. You're, you're walking down the, the, the road and you see a woman that has the Orbitz baby travel system. Okay, and you're like, I got to get that. I mean, I'm, I'm neglecting my child with my, um, my umbrella stroller. This, this thing does everything. It changes the baby in the stroller. It feeds the baby. And what happens? We see that or, or, you know, maybe you go to a meeting, an office meeting and, and you know, you got your you got your laptop. Right. But then you see the guy, the presenter, and he's got his iPad three with the new retina display and he's rolling it. I mean, he's just he's he's doing the presentation with his finger and he's just going. You know, you, you got an awesome laptop, but you're looking at that guy and you're going, man. That thing is that thing is incredible. I gotta have one of those. 
Okay, or, or maybe maybe it's a piece of property. Maybe it's a house. You know, and, and you do the whole thing. You go, well, you know, I'm looking at this house and you go in with your wife and you go, honey, we could entertain. You know what? We could be better Christians if we have this house. You know what I'm saying? We can entertain people. You know, honey, if we get this house, we could have your mother-in-law. You could have, we could have your mother come and stay with us. And she's like shocked. You know, but she likes the kitchen. You know, she's like, man, look how big this kitchen is. It's got granite. It's everything. This happened years ago. Right? Not too long ago. People saw these homes and they said, I got to have it. And with all these things that I'm talking to you about, we make horrific decisions based on a want that becomes a need. And guess what we do? We covet. And we did away with this word in the United States of America because it drives our whole economy. It's American to covet. It's American to have a want that becomes a need. You know, we, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't look at it as bad. We actually esteem it. We say it's a good thing. It's a, it's a good thing. And, and look at what we've done. We've taken a sin, because coveting is a sin. We've taken a sin, and we've made it a value. Because see, when somebody has to have something, we say, you know, he's ambitious. He's got drive. She's got drive. She is resourceful. She's a go-getter. Right? But in reality, that thing, that want, that became a need is ruling their heart. And it leads to terrible decisions. And particularly in relationships. It leads to very, very bad. And so God, that's why He looks at us as a sin because of what happens to us. The problem with coveting is that God opposes it. Why do you think God opposes something? Any idea? Because it destroys our lives. He's opposed to it because He's looking down the road. He knows what's going to happen. He knows how this is going to affect your relationships. It's going to, how it's going to affect your heart. He knows and that's why He opposes things. It's not rules. It's not to put you in a box. It's actually to save you from disaster. And so I don't know what kind of you know, ideas you have about the Bible, about church, about religion. Some of us can look at it and say, it's just rules or man-made rules. No, no. Go a little deeper and try to understand that God is looking out for you. And He's trying to build your life. He's trying to bless your life. And when you do these things that are called sins in the Bible, they'll destroy you. And God hates them because of the effect that it has on our lives. It's a sin. This very thing that we're talking about, coveting, is what caused God to be done with Ahab. This is it. That overdone desire, that passion, that uncontrollable need to have. How do you know if you've been coveting? Some of you are like, today. Because when I leave here, I'm going to purchase, get, do whatever. This week, I got it all worked out. The five is coming to my house. Whatever it is. How do you know? But some of you, are, you don't understand. It's easy to know if you've been coveting if you know how to recognize it. And that's why we're doing this study. So let's look. First Kings chapter 20, verse, verse 3. Okay, now, Ahab makes the offer. 
Hey, I'll trade up. I'll give you. But look at what uh, Naboth, the landowner, he replied, the Lord forgive the Lord forbid that I should give you what give you the inheritance of my fathers. So he says, no way. You can't have this vineyard. I don't care how much you offer me. He, he, he pulled the God card on him. Okay, you ever had somebody do that? Pull the God card out on you? No way, no how. This is a this is a religious issue. No way. But for them, the reason why he wouldn't do it is because for the Israelites, their land was something that got passed down from generation to generation. And they looked at it as God gave me this land. And I'm a steward of this land. I've got to take care of this land. He gave it to me. So how can I sell it? Because it was more than a price tag. It was more than real estate for these guys. It was a spiritual issue. So he says, no way. So Ahab went home sullen and angry because Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And the king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. Now, can you imagine this? This is a king. I mean, he goes home and he lays in his bed. He, he puts his head in his pillow and, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's stomping and he's crying and he won't eat. He's sick. He's sick to his stomach because he can't have what he wants. I want you to imagine at your job. Okay, you go to work and there's somebody there on your team, on your, 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 your group that you work with. You come to work and, you know, they come in casually and say, hey, I, I need a couple days. I need a couple days off because I got family coming to town. The boss says, your boss, their boss says, hey, can't do it. It's too short a notice. You know, we got too much to do right now. We can't do it. And I want you to imagine your coworker storming out of the, the meeting room, crying, closing the door in their office and putting their head to the desk and sobbing and crying. You go, Really? I mean, isn't this like your three-year-old? This is, this is a king, and he's acting like a, a child. Why? Because the desire got so deep in his heart. And what happens when you want something so bad and you can't have it? And you know what? That feeling, that desire, can rule our actions. You know, you no longer act with logic. You never you're not acting with your mind. You're acting with that desire. And this happens in our society. This happens in affairs. This happens in relationships. People lose their reason. They don't they lose the fact if I do this, if I cross this line, it's going to destroy my family. It's going to destroy my life. It's going to destroy my finances. They don't care. Because what's ruling their hearts? Is that desire. And that's why coveting is a serious issue. So here we have a picture of Jezebel. She comes to console her king Ahab. I mean, she is an amazing woman. Let's see what she does about this situation. Verse 5. What's the matter? His wife Jezebel asked him. What's made you so upset that you're not eating? I mean, come on. What's, what is this? And then he tells her. I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard. Or trade it. But he refused. He won't give it to me. I mean, you can hear it. Ahab told her. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. 
Get up and eat something. And don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. I'll get you the vegetable garden. Leave it to me. And that's why she's such an amazing woman. She'll stop at nothing. You know what she did? She arranged a meeting with the elders of Jezreel. And then they found a couple of false witnesses to accuse Naboth of defaming God, of cursing God in public. And so they set it all up. They had a meeting. They pulled Naboth out in the middle of the city square or the town square. And they accused him publicly, had two witnesses. All you need is two witnesses and you can condemn somebody. And they stoned Naboth right there, killed him dead. So he was dead. Take the land. Purchase it. And Ahab went along with it. Why? Because he wanted that vegetable garden. It didn't matter how. It didn't matter who it affected. I got to have what I got to have. That is coveting. What it leads to. See, coveting is, is like the gateway sin. It, it starts in here, but it grows. And it grows. And it gets bigger. And it takes over your mind. takes over your heart. And guess what? It takes over your actions. And this is what drew the line for God. He says, I'm done with you. And here's the thing with coveting. What we covet, you crown king. What we covet, you crown king. And this is what's scary with coveting. Because it rules in your life. It's no longer you and your judgment calling the shots. It's that desire. It's that need. It started as a want. Now it's a need. And it's taking over your decision. It's become king in your life. See, in our position as, as followers of Jesus, as followers of God, we believe that God needs to rule our lives. In fact, that's the reason why I came to faith is because I was making a pretty good mess of my life, pretty bad mess of my life. And I realized I can't do this. And so I turned to God and I said, God, will you help me run my life? I want to make you king of my life. I want you to rule in my life. And from that day forward, everything started changing for the better. Learned how to have relationships, learn how to have the right priorities, learn how to say no to certain things and have have the proper guides in place to make good choices. All because of my relationship with God. See, because I trusted him. But coveting is a serious thing. The things or the persons begin to rule our actions and they take over. Here are some danger signs with coveting. What rules my attention and my emotions? And you can't answer this question. I'd encourage you to ask the people around you, like your co-workers. If you're married, your husband or your wife, what are you talking about? Maybe you go through your, your Internet history and look at that. What have you been looking at obsessively? Price checking nonstop. What's got your attention? You know, what's what's something that's just a ruling ruling your attention? It's all you can think about. That's a danger sign. Another one is coveting. It's a private sin. That always goes public. It'll always find its way out. See, you, 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 you've got it here 
And coveting always starts here. It starts inside, and then it works its way out. See, with Ahab, it started in here. He was sitting up there on the balcony and looking down at the vineyard and started imagining the tomatoes, the chilies, the, the, you know, the zucchini and, and, and all that stuff, the fruit garden, the, 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 everything. He was imagining. He had to say, i got to have it. And it took over. And it started here and then led to eating disorders, headaches, emotional, un- unconstrainable emotions, all those things, it took over. And then it went public. Everybody knew what Ahab did. It got out. In fact, the prophet Elijah went to his house and pointed his finger. That's it. You're done. Here's another point that's, that's, that's huge. What you're secretly wanting, what is it that you're secretly wanting that no one else knows about? What is that, that secret thing that's going on? You say, well, that's private. No, not necessarily if it's going to ruin your life. See, and that's why it's so important for us to value relationships. We need to have people in our lives. See, there's certain things I don't have perspective on in my life. That's why I'm married. I need someone in my life to help me with perspective. And I'm not just that. I need friends in my life to help me. And they're not there to cast stones. They're there to... Be objective and help me see things. But if you go at life on your own, there's secret stuff going on that's going to lead you down the wrong road. And is it really what you want? Is that really what you want? Is it worth it? You know, I'm sure later on in Ahab's life, he had to sit down and ask himself the question as his life was unraveling. And maybe he was close to death. Was it worth it for a vegetable garden? And you've got to ask yourself the question. That relationship that you're involved in, that thing that you're doing that no one knows about, that obsession that you have that nobody knows, no one can know. Later as it unravels, ask yourself the question, Do I want my life, do I want my life to be ruined by a vegetable garden, my family, everything that I have, my marriage? Do I want it to be ruined by this thing, by this relationship? And let me tell you something. People are doing this all the time around us. Maybe you're in the thick of it right now. So my encouragement to you today is deal with coveting. Deal with it. And, 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 and recognize it. And here's a verse in Hebrews. Sometimes we look at God as He's very far from us. He doesn't understand what's going on here, the struggle. This is what it describes about Jesus. Since the children have flesh and blood, they too share in their humanity. So that by His death, He's talking about Jesus, He might destroy Him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Back in this last verse, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. What does that say? Jesus came here and walked among us. You think Jesus understood the temptation of coveting? Absolutely. God did that for you. God did that for me. So that we could relate, we could say, he understands what I'm going through, yet he's not going to give in to it. 
he's not going to go down that road. You know, and I, I really think that this is important for us to talk about because, you know, there's so much destruction going on in our economy with people making bad decisions about their money. It's your money. God gave it to you. But if you don't have a handle on your desires and your wants, it's going to ruin you. And you're going to be driven to poverty. You're going to be driven to some hard times that aren't necessary. And, you know, maybe it's not finances. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe maybe some of the college students, you know, maybe some of the high school students, maybe some of the singles, you know, you guys are in a very pivotal time in your life. What if you don't control those desires? What if it gets out of hand? So, you know, some of you, you're going, yep, I got it. I got it. I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. Some of you have no clue. So I'm going to help you. We don't do this every week, but I've got some questions to help you recognize. What is it that's got your attention to the point where it's not healthy? So here we go. What happens when they sell out of the one thing that you wanted? What happens when someone gets the job that you wanted? How does that affect you? What happens when you go to someone's, someone else's house and you see their stuff? What happens when you find out that another one of your friends is engaged to be married? What happens when you hear about how other husbands treat their wives or other wives treat their husbands? What happens to your heart? How does that affect your heart? What is that thing that always disappoints you? That makes you feel discouraged or depressed? What is that thing that makes you angry? What is that thing that makes you sad because you think you'll never have it? What do you want that no one else knows about? What is it that you want that, that you think will never really, that will, that will really, really, really make you happy? That one thing, if you have it, you'll be fired up. What came to mind? If I just have this, let me ask you this. What's worth shrinking your whole life into? The size of that thing that you want. Is there really anything out there that's worth shrinking your life into? I mean, really. That you'll die if you don't have it. That's what happened to Ahab. That's what he did. He was a king. He didn't have to have that vegetable garden. He could have got the one next to it. He could have got the one on the back next to the bathroom. He could have looked at it from his bathroom. Why did it have to be that one? And he shrank, he shrunk his life down to the size of a vegetable garden. As a king. Now, if a king can do that, guess what? And I've got to share with you guys, I'm giving this lesson, but this lesson has really helped me. Because I confess, there's been times where I've obsessed with things. One thing in particular came to mind. I remember when, you know, when we were living in Florida and, you know, things could get out of control. I, I, I recognize it. There was a hurricane that was on its way to our area. You know, they had the models out and it says, it's coming right for you and it's going to be strong and you won't have electricity for days. 
And this sweltering heat, you know, it was, it was, you know, we got this, I got the storm shutters put up and everything was ready. But, you know, there was this one thing that I had to have. A generator. And let me tell you what I, I, I this thing came, became, uh, it became a want that became a need. And I would, listen, I would get up at four in the morning and wait in front of Lowe's department store. And then when I got done with Lowe's, I'd go to Sam's when they opened. I did this for four or five days. And I would call them. Did you get the shipments coming in at two o'clock this afternoon? Did you come in yet? Did you come in yet? Did you come in yet? This went on for about a week. And what, what elevated is because this, this storm is coming, a disaster. And yeah, guys get like this. We want to we arm up and be ready for disaster, right? But I recognized this is too much. I'm obsessing. You know, and then, we, then I finally, after four or five days, I finally got this awesome generator. You know, and this was the second storm. We got hit by two hurricanes within two weeks. And I finally got the generator of generators for the second one. And guess what? The lights went out for about four or five hours. The the previous time, it was a week. We had no electricity. So I'm like, I shrunk my week, four or five days, my attention. I shrunk it down into this machine that you pour gas into. Stupid. Stupid. What's your generator? Stop and think. And if you have these tendencies, I got them. I got them. I know I got them. This study has really helped me. I got to watch out. And so this is there to help you. In our church, we want to do things that can, that God, God, we believe God's on our side and he wants to help us. So in this, looking at this, this last passage here in verse 15. By his death, Jesus' death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And then in verse 15, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. You know, one thing that really grips people is I'm going to die one day. They're terrified of that. Jesus came to set us free, not only from coveting, but the fear of death, the fear of judgment, the fear of punishment, the fear of it's all going to come full circle. He died to set us free. And I feel like Jesus came to set me free from obsessive focuses. And from things that can basically put a ball and chain on your leg and on your life. You don't want that. None of us do. But we need perspective. And in verse 18, because he himself suffered, he was tempted. And he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus understands. Jesus understands what you're going through, what I go through, because he was here. He lived it. So as we take the communion now, I I want you to get open and get honest about that thing, about that person, about that situation. Get honest with God so you can deal with it. So it will not rule your heart. Jesus died so that who would be king? God would be king to set us free from bondage. And these are the four things I want to leave you with before we pray for the communion. Number one, get honest and get open. 
It's time to get honest and get open. What, 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 are, what is the thing? What, what are they? And maybe it seems innocent now. It's harmless right now. But what happens when it gets out of control? And the second thing is to get help and get perspective. And if you're a guest here today, I want to encourage you to, to do the core four Bible studies so that you can understand how much God loves you and you can understand more about things like coveting and these other sins that are destroying you and have the potential to destroy your life and your relationship with God. And the last thing, some of you have been coming here for a while. And you know what's going to fix your coveting? Get baptized. You know why? Because when you get baptized, guess what you say? What's your declaration of faith? Jesus is king. The generator's not king. Okay? The flat screen TV is not king. My home is not king. My job is not king. Jesus is king. And then everything fits together and has its right place. Then you make good choices in relationships. And you help orient your family. So, you know, I think for some of us here today, enough time has gone by. It's time to turn it in. What are you waiting for? Today could be the day. This week could be the week that you turn yourself in. Let's pray for the communion. God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he understands our challenges, our struggles, our temptations. We pray today that you will set us free from the things that are holding us down, that are holding us back. And help us, God, today to learn uh, that these things can get a hold on us and rule our lives. God, thank you for giving us the, the lives that we have. Thank you for that we live in the most prosperous time in history. That essentially all of us are kings. We have so much. But help us to learn from you how to manage. Please forgive us for the times that we have not managed our desires well. And we've hurt people. We've hurt ourselves. We've hurt you. Please forgive us. Thank you for Jesus' blood and his body that was poured out to give us a new start. Please forgive us and, and bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.